0: It doesn't matter what you did. And I am the voice of the voiceless. This is the Wrestling With Edwards Podcast with your host, Scotty Wrestling. What a week we had here in the world of WWE and AEW. I will also be talking about Slammiversary's um, ending because that was incredible and Impact is uh, doing some cool things. Doing some cool things as of late. Uh, We'll also talk about some rumors at the end of the show That have been taking the wrestling world by storm over the past few days So look forward to that But we're going to kick off with Smackdown as always Because this was WWE's return of fans A very special moment, a very special weekend And they were able to embrace the return of fans in this incredible way Vince McMahon kicked off the show to say, where the hell have you been? Which I thought was pretty funny. But then Roman Reigns had his entrance. And Roman Reigns' entrance, it felt like forever. But it was just special because there was real reaction to Reigns. And WrestleMania happened, but that wasn't enough. And this just felt right. Everything about this felt right. Him getting booed out of the building... Him getting jeered. It was just fantastic. And then when Edge made his entrance. Goosebumps. Absolute goosebumps. That's what wrestling is supposed to be. Gone is that Thunderdome. Gone are the empty arena shows. We are back to having fans in attendance. And that is truly, truly what is best. SmackDown, I thought, was a very good start, a very good show um, to kick off the return. Uh, Finn Balor returned to the main roster as he attacked Sami Zayn. Uh, He was not featured on the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, so we're waiting until this Friday to see what he's up to. That being said, Edge and Seth Rollins had another great um confrontation which you know would ultimately lead to what would happen on Sunday but not only am I intrigued by all of this but it just felt so good to have fans back everything felt right. WWE felt more important than it has in a very long time and the return of Finn Balor was only the beginning this weekend. Um, the quick thing I wanted to talk about on Slammiversary before really digging into the rest of the WWE stuff was the ending where Jay White came out to confront Kenny Omega. New Japan's Jay White was one of the best surprises in wrestling all year. Um, just when the Bullet Club music hit, that was fantastic. And then the Switchblade music hits, he walks out, he's staring down Omega, Gallows, Anderson before the show cut and it was just a perfect tease and based off of some reports we've seen there's a reason he's there and it's to make a new Bullet Club member and I thought they made a great choice but we'll get to that in the coming weeks. I think we're going to start adding some impact coverage here as we move along especially with the relationship with New Japan really kicking into high gear with Jay White in the fold. So let's get to Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank was the first pay-per-view with you know the fans back in full time. This was going to be a special show. I feel like Money in the Bank is always a special show because you have the uncertainty of who gets the briefcases. And when do they use those briefcases? Do they win with those briefcases? But then you get some great title matches on the show as well. So, you know, we're going to dig into this show because it was special. Um, The end was, of course, the best part. But I thought overall it was a pretty good show. The Money in the Bank show had a kickoff show that featured Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio defending the SmackDown Tag Team Championships against the Usos. This was finally the time for the Usos to win back the titles. I feel like we all knew this was going to happen. It was just a matter of time. When did the Bloodline get all the gold possible? Now they just need the Women's title and Intercontinental title, and they will really have all the gold. But I thought this was you know, a really good opener. Um, the crowd was into it. They ate it up, and I thought... Considering the kickouts in this match. And the action going on. I thought it was a fantastic decision. To have this actually lead off. Um, Because the crowd. It was packed in. There wasn't a sense of. You know half of it's empty. It wasn't too early. No the crowd was in there. They were ready. They were livid. This was a match you wanted to check out. Um, It wasn't like the best match of the year. By any means. It wasn't. The best kickoff match I've ever seen. But. With the fans so intrigued and the match being what it was and how quality it was and the near falls and just the beauty of the story in there, I thought it was a great start to the show and the Usos winning was 100% the right call. Next you had the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. For me, this could have been anyone. Um, My whole thing was just not Alexa Bliss. I was hoping Liv Morgan would pull out the victory. She probably had the loudest cheers. um, It was probably her and Bliss that were cheered the most by the crowd, which I found interesting. Um, That could be big for Liv Morgan down the road. Um, The fact that the fans are that into her, especially with the likes of an Asuka and a Naomi also in the ring. I thought Naomi got a good pop, Oscar did too, but Liv Morgan's you could just feel it. You could tell that everything she did during the match, people were into it. People were interested in it. And it was just great. So that was cool. But ultimately in the end, Nikki Cross, now known as Nikki ASH, almost a superhero Won the Money in the Bank. And maybe the biggest surprise, Money in the Bank, win. I can't even say ever because Otis won last year. But it was definitely a surprise. Um, everyone was so happy for her. And instantly when she won, I was like, oh, well, she's not going to win the belt. There's no way. There's no way they're going to let the superhero win the belt. Maybe... She'll lose the briefcase down the line I just didn't think so I thought this was an Otis situation all over again And I'm not trying to be mean to Nikki Cross I just did not think That WWE would make the superhero One of their world champions But We'll get to that in a bit Uh, uh, Next up was the Raw Tag Team Championship match Between AJ Styles and Omos Defending against The Viking Raiders, this match was kind of a nothing match in my mind. Um, Some good near falls because it looked like the Viking Raiders were going to pull off the win when they hit the Viking Experience uh, pop-up power slam finish, but almost was able to break up the pin. And in the end, almost pinned uh, Eric, I believe that's his name. Um, So that match was fine. Next up, though, was the WWE Championship match. Bobby Lashley was on a tear to prove to Kofi Kingston that he is still the dominator. He is still the almighty and that he has not become soft. And that's exactly what he did. Kofi got one heck of a reaction Bobby Lashley was booed out of the building And by the end of this match The boos only became louder and louder Every single moment of the match Was Bobby Lashley's Kofi's fight was little And non-existent at times He had no chance This was reminiscent of the Brock Lesnar, John Cena WWE Championship match from SummerSlam Of course it doesn't have the same effect Because it's Kofi Kingston And not John Cena No offense to Kingston but I thought it was an interesting way to book it. And based off what would happen later in the night, I thought it was a smart way to book it. Um, I thought this match was very good for the story they were telling and that that's Lashley is just a different breed now. He has flipped a, he has flipped the switch after losing to Xavier Woods on Raw last week and he's ready to just destroy everyone in his path. Will that happen in SummerSlam? We're going to see. We're going to see. But I thought it was a good match for the idea that they put ahead. And no offense to Kingston, but it was the right role because he was the babyface favorite. No one was going to boo Kofi. And the story they were telling was good. Um, And I thought the match was the perfect way to pretty much shut that down um, in an emphatic way. Next up was the... Raw Women's Championship match between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. I thought this was the second best match of the night. These two just have incredible chemistry together. But in the end what I expected happened where Charlotte Flair walked out as the new Women's Champion. A 11 time main roster champion 13 time if you include the two NXT Championships. Uh, but this match was great. You know Charlotte dominated, not in the sense that Lashley did. Rhea got her offense in, and it was back and forth. But towards the end, it just felt like Charlotte was just doing everything in her power to put Rhea away. She hit this super, um, what's her finisher called? The one where she flips over. I can't remember for the life of me, but it was great. Um... And ultimately the match came down to Rhea getting her leg caught by Charlotte. She smashed it in between the steel steps and eventually made Ripley tap out to the figure eight leg lock. I believe that's what it's called. Um, Flair was always going to win another title. Uh, I thought this was, you know, a shoo-in because she didn't win the first time and... No offense to Ripley, it's very rare if like gets two title matches in a row um, and loses both. So, it is what it is, as we learned, you know, the next night doesn't really matter now. Um, I could have had a rant here, but it doesn't matter now at all. So, I'm not going to say much. Uh, let's move on to the men's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Up, oh, not pay-per-view, match. The men's Money in the Bank match. Which I thought was one of the best ever. When you have the talent that WWE has to just toss out there at any time, like they did here, uh, it's truly incredible. You know, because so much of this talent we can agree is underutilized and repeatedly. Not used to their full potential. Um, so if you don't remember, the lineup consisted of Riddle, McIntyre, Ricochet, John Morrison, Big E, Shinsuke Nakamura, Seth Rollins, and Kevin Owens—an absolute all-star cast. If any of these people are any any other company, they're main eventers. That's how great this group is, and. They put on a match that was that great. Uh, Some of my favorite spots from the match were when Ricochet got pushed off the ladder, jumped on the top rope, and launched himself onto a group of people. He not only, you know, hit up Tope, but he got, he springboarded himself so high that it was just amazing, and, you know, people have soured on Ricochet. People say things about Ricochet because, you know, the way he protects the company despite not being used and whatnot. Ricochet is still one of the most jaw-dropping wrestlers in the world. I don't think anyone can do what he does. I I really don't. I don't think anyone can do what he does in the ring. He's one. He's a one-of-a-kind talent. You know, Will Ospreay can do a lot of things that Ricochet's done, but Ricochet just picks it up every time. Uh, So that was one of my favorite moments. Kevin Owens going off was great. Riddle hitting RKO after RKO was really funny and entertaining. That got the crowd into it. Um, Seth Rollins power-bobbing Kevin Owens through the ladder on the outside. That was devastating, but great. And in the end, the best moment was the ultimate win. Big E, with Seth Rollins at the top, about to reach for the briefcase. Big E comes up from behind, puts him up for the big ending, hits a super big ending off the ladder. Big E climbs back to the top, takes down the briefcase, and becomes Mr. Money in the Bank. The perfect winner. The perfect winner. Um... You know, it gives me chills inside talking about Big E's win because he's a guy that should have always been in the main event. And it took some time for him to get that charisma out there, to fully embrace who he could be. And, you know, the New Day did that for him. And when they put him as a solo star, he didn't go serious. He can. He can. And he might be one of the best when he goes serious. But he's still Big E. And that's why people love him. He's going to be the biggest babyface in this company if they allow it. Mark my words. The way I would have him cash in, to me, would be to do it the traditional way. Set up a match in the future and Bobby Lashley seems like the guy. Yes. Biggie beating Roman Reigns for the universal title would be huge. Huge, huge, huge for Biggie's career. But taking the title off of Bobby Lashley, the man that destroyed his one of his best friends Kofi Kingston that has tried to destroy Xavier Woods for weeks, that story writes itself. Big E should be WWE champion by the conclusion of WrestleMania, in my opinion. In the By the conclusion of WrestleMania at the very latest, I think Big E should be the WWE champion. Go on this great babyface run as champion. He deserves it. And beating Bobby Lashley, while it's not beating the def- dominant Roman, beating the dominant Bobby Lashley is nearly just as good the way they've been booking Lashley. I think that's just the perfect story. It's been built to a T. The celebration that Biggie had in the back with the New Day was magical. And you know, I'm just I'm just so happy for him. He he deserved this. He's earned the right to be positioned to be a world champion. And he's deserved the right to call himself a world champion. The main event of Money in the Bank was Roman Reigns versus Edge for the Universal Championship. This was a very interesting match, um, somewhat polarizing in a sense. If you you know, followed along on Twitter, some thought it was this beautiful storytelling and others thought it was just a long match and I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm somewhere in the middle because I thought there was some great storytelling, you know, oh, after the first 10 minutes or so when it started to really kick into gear. Because, you know, Roman's been, what, to me, one of the best since his return, and it's almost been a year. Um, he's just been one of the best in wrestling. He makes me care about his matches. But I can understand when people don't like them because, you know, they're not this high speed, intense sprint. They are all very storytelling based, and everything has meaning in the match. But sometimes it takes a while to get to that meaning, So I understand why people don't love it. I like, the, the, I like this match a lot. I don't think it was his best of the reign by any means. I still think uh, him and Cesaro or him and Brian are probably at the top of that list for now. Um, he also has some great matches with Owens. And I think probably the ones with Jey Uso are still my favorite. But I thought this match was very good. Uh, when, you know, Edge finally, you know, got his feet under him and started to make Roman worry. That's when really this got good. There was a cluster finish where the referee was knocked out and then R- Roman was going to try to use the steel cage bar, Uh not steel cage, steel chair, like bar support thing, That Edge has been using for weeks to lock it on the Reigns and the Usos. Um, Ultimately, that didn't work out for Reigns. Edge got a hold of it. Edge had him locked in. The Usos tried to come down and break it up. The Mysterios fought them off. It was ultimately Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins who saved Roman Reigns. Because of his hate. His disgust. With Edge. That's what got us here. He cost Edge the match. He would not except Edge winning the Universal title that he thought was, should be his. And in the end, that allowed Roman to hit the spear and pin Edge in the middle of the ring, One, two, three. After the match, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns had a stare down where Rollins said, without me, he would be champion. And there's no lies there. This match is going to happen between Reigns and Rollins. It's just a matter of when. Um, but Edge in. Reigns, not Edge and Reigns, Edge and Rollins fought into the crowd, and that's when Roman Reigns picks up the microphone and says, now everyone acknowledges me. The crowd's still buzzing, they're like, okay, well, interesting, he cut a post-match promo, and this is when I, you know, got the hint in my head, oh, it's happening, This, this is actually going to happen. The trumpet hits It's John Cena My childhood just was Brought back in seconds The music The reaction The way Cena was reacting with the crowd Talking to the camera Everything Everything felt So right It, it felt like Everything we've been missing, um, you know, and people hate when part-timers come back and take up championship matches and spots. But guys, John Cena, John Cena's different from the rest. No, no one has put in more work for this company, and with communities and what he's done, nobody's done that in the past two decades. I'm sorry, it's just not, it's not true And anytime he comes back It's special So we're, we have to be Grateful that he's here Because we don't know how many more Runs he has left, if any, after this And What he's giving us is Going to be just this wonderful Story with Roman Reigns You know, it's the best guy Right now against the One of the best of all time Maybe WWE's best of all time When you look at The amount of years on top The ability to get better in the ring To me John Cena is the only man In WWE history that could have worked In every single era Stone Cold couldn't work In the PG era Hogan I don't think worked In the work rate era at all um, PG, of course, I think he could have done, but he can't work in the work rate hour. Cena's done it all, guys. Cena could do it all, and, you know, I was just so happy for Cena to come back. And he continued it on Raw the next night, saying that the reason he's back is not to chase number 17, it's because Roman Reigns is an asshole. And I thought that was just perfect. Like what we're about to get in the coming weeks on SmackDown is going to be such amazing back and forth promos. Like I'm so certain of it. Scene is so special. He has everyone in the palm of his hand when he speaks. And and it's just it's just magical. Um, Let's talk about the rest of Raw because it was a newsworthy show for better or worse. Uh, Keith Lee made his return during the Bobby Lashley Open Challenge. Everyone was very happy to see Keith. I know I was. I've been missing Keith. And he proceeded to essentially get destroyed by Bobby Lashley. Um, He had a little more offense than... Kofi, he had a little more shine but for the most part he was destroyed um, he lost to a spear and he was pinned in the middle of the ring in his comeback and uh, I guess the Keith Lee experiment once again shows that it is not going well it's just a shame because Keith Lee I think is one of their best overall talents after that match Bobby Lashley was You know getting hyped up and out came Goldberg to say that he Was next because you know the Last time we saw Goldberg He lost the Universal Champion uh, WWE Championship Match at the Royal Rumble to Drew McIntyre So you know All this time off he earned that number one Contender shot so We're getting Goldberg versus Bobby Lashley Hope Bobby Lashley Beats him in seconds Maybe he makes Goldberg tap out That'd be pretty awesome it would be pretty awesome. I guess a I guess man could dream. Karrion Cross, the NXT champion, made his debut on Monday Night Raw. And he lost in a minute and 40 seconds. The undefeated Karrion Cross, a man that Triple H has done everything in his power to protect on NXT as this dominant champion. Lost in a minute and 40 seconds. To Jeff Hardy. Who's No More Words song was back. Which was amazing. And made me feel like I was a kid again. Cheering for Jeff. But Jeff has lost to Jinder Mahal. Maybe Cedric Alexander. People on main event. Like Jeff Hardy has not been. As important as he should be. And had he been. This loss wouldn't be that bad. But the loss is bad. And this has been the story all week of. Vince McMahon pretty much taking a shot at NXT here. When you have the undefeated NXT champion get pinned in the middle of the ring on Monday Night Raw, and in a minute and 40 seconds, you strip Scarlett away from his entrance. You strip the special entrance away. And it's left down to cross, and all he says is, soon they'll fall and prey. You wonder, what is going on here? And... I'd like to think, oh, this will just be the star for Jeff Hardy to, you know, rise up the card again. And it should be because the song alone should be the reason. But that's not the case here. There is something seriously going wrong between Vince McMahon and Triple H. And uh, this was a sign of disrespect that really, really makes everybody talk and rightfully so. Um, I'm sure Cross will be fine on the main roster. He just has everything that Vince would look for in a star. But who knows Who knows after that And in the main event Charlotte Flair Defeated um, Well, she beat Rhea by disqualification uh, She lost to Rhea by disqualification When she hit Rhea with the belt Rhea attacked Charlotte And then Nikki Ash Nikki Cross Nikki almost a superhero Nikki A.S.H. Cashed in the money in the bank Hit a crossbody and won the Raw Women's Championship. Nikki Cross is the Raw Women's Championship heading into SummerSlam. I thought for sure we were going to be running Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair at SummerSlam. And I still think we might. But, wow, uh, they actually gave her the belt. The beauty of it, even if I don't think it's the best move, in terms of the wrestling side, was it was a beautifully emotional side for Nikki Cross, who, you know, has probably heard it from fans about her superhero gimmick, and she reached the pinnacle, the top, as that character she created... No one could take that away from her Everyone congratulated her That was a big moment Everyone was so happy for her And in the end I was happy For Nikki Cross as well Let's move on to NXT um, I'm not going to have much to say On this show Besides the Samoa Joe and Karrion and Cross stuff Being phenomenal Because it was Joe kicked off NXT Enraged looking for cross because you know it was last week he was put to sleep. William Regal came out and said, listen, this is not the deal we made. And Joe said, unless provoked. And I was provoked. Regal tried to stop him. He tried to stop Joe all night, but Joe was livid. Joe ended the show looking for cross, but cross took out William Regal in the middle of the in the back and escaped before Joe could get there. Samoa Joe is coming back to wrestle, and this story is one of the best in wrestling. The fact that Triple H plucked Samoa Joe off the free agent wire right before he could go go anywhere else like AEW and be a star. He brought him back to NXT, made him a talent guy, but he's like, you know what, we're going to get you wrestling, and you're probably going to be a three-time NXT champion when this is all said and done. And that's what I think he's going to be. I love this story. I absolutely love it. Samoa Joe is just a freaking man. Best promo possibly in the business right now, still. I absolutely love it. Everything he does is just awesome. Um, Odyssey Jones defeated Andre Chase in the breakout tournament. Jones looked pretty good. Uh, Could be a good powerhouse moving forward. I was impressed by him. Andre Chase did not really impress me. Uh, But of course, this was... More of a showcase for Jones than anything. And Raquel Gonzalez defended the NXT Women's Championship against Zaya Lee. The match ended oddly as Zaya Lee clearly got injured uh, right before the finish. Raquel hit her powerbomb, pinned Zaya. One, two, three. Weird. It was just weird. I don't understand why they did this match unless Zaya Lee is indeed getting called up like it's been rumored. But to me, Raquel Gonzalez can lose her title at any time because while I think the women's division, despite losing a number of talent, is still stacked, I think Raquel is holding it down as champion. Just my opinion. I think Dakota Kai should probably take that title from her. I think that would make the most sense. Um, There's a story there clearly. And Dakota Kai deserves her day in in the sun as the champion. Let's get on to AEW. We got a lot of AEW news here, which we will conclude the show with. But let's jump into the show first because it was an interesting show. Uh, There was a lot of misses for me, but there were a lot of hits too. It was an up and down show, uh, some good story continuation, and some good wrestling. So let's dig into that now. The night opened up with Chris Jericho beginning his five labors of Jericho to get a match with MJF. He faced off with Sean Spears in what was a weird stipulation where Sean Spears could use a chair, but Jericho couldn't. Uh, I thought that was kind of a lame idea, but they had a pretty decent match. I didn't think it was too bad. Um, Of course, Jericho won. Jericho wasn't going to lose the first one. I think it would be different if Jericho lost in the five labors of Jericho. You know, like, when we always do these stipulations where they have to win to get a match, they never lose. Well, maybe one time, let's just have them lose, huh? Like one time. One time, I think, would be cool. Uh, But yeah, Jericho won with the Judas Effect, and after the match, MJF said that you're going to have a match next week. There's not going to be any rules. And you're going to face a man that doesn't ever wrestle with rules. And you know, as you listen to MJF hype it up, if you know, if you know anything about the independent scene, GCW, you have an idea of who this could be. And it was Nick Gage. Nick Gage, the uh, one of the most popular wrestlers in the entire independent scene, probably the most um, at this stage. they're going to have a death match of sorts without calling it a death match. It's going to be a no rules match. Um, it should be interesting at the very least Jericho said later in the night that he's not just going to face gauge but he's going to bring the painmaker back. Which was his uh, character to oppose Okada, the Rainmaker, in New Japan. Uh, the Paymaker's only ever been used in New Japan, if I'm not mistaken. So, interesting. Interesting. Um, this match is going to be wild. It's going to be on Fight for the Fall next week. I'm intrigued. Uh, I have no idea how Jericho's going to have a match with Nick Gage, but we're going to watch it. And we're going to have thoughts on it, for sure. So, Uh, Be excited for that next week. We had another Hangman and Kenny Omega-like face-off type thing. Uh, So Gallows and Kazarian had a match. Gallows pinned Kazarian, whatever, who cares. Uh, They were going to attack Kazarian. That's when Hangman came out to clear the ring. He tried to fight uh, Anderson and Gallows and Kenny all by himself. That's when the Dark Order came down to help. Next week, it's official, likely the main event. It'll be... Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Gallison Anderson facing off with Hangman Page, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds in a 10-man elimination tag. The way they've been telling the Omega story and Hangman story, as I've been saying for a couple weeks now, I think it's been great. And I think this elimination match would be a good way of you know getting fans hyped for it because I think doing an elimination match is always fun, you know because it's different from just a ten man that could be boring. You have different situations that breaks down, and I think it would be pretty cool if like the elite were up three to one. It was the Bucks. And, Ken- and Kenny versus Hangman. And Hangman's able to, elite to uh, eliminate two of the Bucks, but just barely allowing Kenny to hit the one-winged Angel in the end to pin Hangman. It would just be, I think, a good story to tell there. Um, but, of course, that's just wishful thinking, probably. Uh, maybe the highlight of the night for many people was the Orange-Cassidy and Sting interaction, where... They traded the fake kicks, which is very funny because Sting was doing it and, like, they were just doing, like, the tap kicks and they did the super kick and the crowd was reacting. It was a lot of fun. Um, I've learned to really love the Orange Cassidy, like, joke kicks and stuff because the man can go. And, um, I thought that was very entertaining. Um... Brit Baker defended her AW Women's World Championship for the first time against Nyla Rose in what was not a good match. It was not great. Um, they hit a bunch of big moves. Britt repeatedly kicked out, but it was just sloppy, not good. Um, and the win was never in doubt. Uh, Britt, of course, won. She made Nyla tap out, which was a little surprising to me. Um, but yeah, whatever. Um, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. Uh, so these last two things really what intrigued me the most from this week's show. Um, so Andrade is out to the ring. and He said he had a surprise for everyone. He teased it earlier in the day. And we're, I was like, well, he's not going to be bringing um, Los Secret Grenobles J.J. Pone. Maybe, maybe he finally brings in LFI from Ring of Honor, Roosh, Dragon Lee, possibly. Um, that was not the case. It was actually that he had a new, pretty much manager, and it was Chavo Guerrero. I thought that was a good fit for Andrade. Um, better fit than Vicky. I think uh, and Chavo, who, you know, some see as like a businessman of sorts, fits what Andrade's bringing to the table, and I'm intrigued by that. I wonder if Chavo ends up wrestling, because I don't think he's that far removed from his last couple matches, by, by any means. Uh... And this is when Death Triangle answered the call because last week Andrade had called out Death Triangle and they were said, you know, keep your names out of your mouth. And they were teasing. Andrade was teasing that he would be bringing in the Lucha Bros to join him and leave PAC. And this is where I started to get a little angry. I was like, please don't break up. Please, please, please don't break up Death Triangle. Do not do this. Do not do this, please. Like, Death Triangle is my favorite part of AEW. And I think they should do more with them. I think if they break them up, they just pretty much never gave them the time of day to fully experience what they could have been. Uh, but the cool news was that Pac and Phoenix are back. Uh, first time we've seen them in weeks. Phoenix in months. Um, Phoenix is just so good. Pac is so good. So I was really happy about that. Um, it ended where Andrade left the ring. They were about to fight. I'm wondering who, if anyone is brought in by Andrade, um, possibly LFI. There's going to be someone that he brings in uh, unless they turn on pack. He's going to be bringing in a tag team of some sort. And I'm very, very interested in that. Um, LFI makes sense. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be someone in the Lucha world. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I was trying to think of a name, but I couldn't think of one. I'm, I'm going to be uh, intrigued by anything. But the main event of the evening was John Moxley versus Lance Archer in a Texas death match for Moxley's IWGP United States Championship. They fought all around the arena. Uh, Archer at one time threw a child, not a child, just a fan, but he treated him like a child the way he tossed him. Um, he threw a fan at Moxley. Um, They used a fork. Uh, They were both bleeding. And in the end, Moxie was put through a double barbed wire table. It could not get up for the count of ten, making a new IWGP United States champion in Lance Archer. He is now a two-time champion. I was stunned. I was absolutely stunned. I never, ever thought they were going to change the title here. I really didn't. Um, and I love Lance Archer, so I'm happy that he finally got a big win. Um, he will fight Haiku, Haikulo? Haikulio, um next week. Um, he is part of Bullet Club, so maybe just maybe some Bullet Club joins the fray next week on Fight for the Fallen. We'll have to wait and see there. But a good, I would I would say it's a thumbs up episode of AEW, despite. Um, the things I didn't talk about. The bad women's title match. I think the beginning and last two segments really helped. Uh, the matches weren't great in the middle. Wheeler, Yuta, and Darby Allen wasn't out of this world. I did not enjoy Orange Cassidy versus The Blade. So yeah, it's really uh, those middle things that weren't great. But we'll take what we get. Um, but... I want to conclude this show to talk about the rumors. The rumors that both Daniel Bryan and CM Punk are headed to AEW. If this is the first time you're hearing about it, uh, you might live under a rock. I don't really know. Um, but this this is exciting. This is, there's so much excitement here for me because, you know, I started this podcast 52 episodes ago and I made it perfectly clear that CM Punk is one of, if not my favorite of all time. Things have changed in the past year to, you know, change that thought of the number one. Bonafide favorite of all time. I wouldn't say that anymore. But in many ways CM Punk. Is the reason I'm doing this podcast. Is the reason I'm such a fan still. He's the reason that. I re-fell in love with this. In 2011. You know. When I started in 2007. I was starting to fall out a little bit. By 11. But what's CM. It was 11 or 12. It's 11. Because it's a decade ago. But what Punk did in this run Not only won me over forever But He made me a fan forever He Reinvigorated my love for pro wrestling His feud with Cena is one of my favorites Ever His match with Cena at in the Bank Is perhaps my favorite ever And even the Fact that he might come back Really entices me Because I Like many people asked for, you know, uh, probably a year after he left, just abruptly, will he come back? And then I started to give up, Um, and for the past couple years, it never entered my mind, never cared, I never believed anything that they said. When he came to WWE backstage, I thought that was pretty cool, I loved that, because it was just him talking about wrestling, and he's a very insightful guy, which just made me happy, but... When you get down to it I never thought He needed to come back He paved his own path He Had a career that So many would love to have He was everything that I needed as a young fan To open my mind up to So many things And A lot of that Is thanks to him but the fact that he might even consider coming back to AEW now has me on the edge of my seat. Did, did WWE backstage did you know just falling wrestling again give him the itch, give him that fire that he's been very vocal about he hasn't had in a while. I know for him it all comes down to money. And I get that. That's, you know, that's what you do. It it makes sense, you know. It makes sense that you do something like that. You lose the love. But it makes sense that something that you love for your entire life and just like a decade you lost love doesn't come back and i think more than anything if he's even considering these talks he has to have refound that love he has to have watched something that intrigued him maybe it's kenny omega right now he's said in detail that a match with kenny omega is one he would be enticed by at the very least a match with the young bucks is something he'd be interested in at the very least there's a few angles here That intrigues him, and that's what he's always said that needs to come back. He needs to come back and have a story, have a situation of someone he's never faced before or a story he's never done before to entice him in. For that, that's why I think AEW, if he does come back, is the only place he comes back. Um. I do want to give credit to Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful For putting that story out on Fightful Select um, It got the people talking And it sounded legitimate It sounded more legitimate of a comeback Than we've heard in a decade For CM Punk You know, since he left in 2014 or thirteen, This is the most Legitimate and believable comeback That I have read about I've heard about. And I'm starting to believe it. Let's pivot to Daniel Bryan now. Daniel Bryan, um, it was reported by PW Insider that he's not a part of any future plans in WWE. He's not coming out with any new merchandise. He seems to truly be a free agent. And he seems to be leaving WWE. Uh, Bodyslam, I believe, .NET report had an exclusive that Daniel Bryan indeed has signed a contract with AEW. Um, No one has been able to fully confirm that yet. Um, Meltzer has commented on it saying he believes that's true, and he said that last week, too, that he believes that's where Bryan was going. Um, Fightful wasn't able to confirm it. But there's something in the water there. And what Meltzer did add was what it came down to for Brian in terms of contractually making a deal was less dates, same amount of money, and the ability to work with New Japan Pro Wrestling. That seemed like the ultimate goal. Um, and of course you think, well why didn't he just sign with New Japan? Clearly there's this point where he needs the American-based promotion to be his promotion, but being able to travel to Japan for the Wrestle Kingdoms and the Dominions and maybe even a G1, that's something that entices Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. And for good reason. Many agree that he still very well could be the best wrestler in the world right now. And what he was doing in his final... Couple months in WWE was some phenomenal work And if he did After all Decide To Leave WWE Then good for him Good for him That he had the gall to just You know move on and chase the final career goal that he has. Wrestling Okada, Tanahashi, those seem to be up there. Shingo, multiple people in New Japan. That sounds like his goals to wrestle in Japan before he locks it up. Kenny Omega in AEW, good for him. And if AEW adds Daniel Bryan and CM Punk within the next couple of months, the game has changed. No longer is AEW just on Just above NXT but below Ron SmackDown. on Smackdown They're, I want to say on that level If they add those two The game changes if you add CM Punk and Daniel Bryan There's no two bigger names Possibly full time in wrestling Right now that you can add So those are my thoughts On that um, If you want to hear from more of me You can follow me on Twitter At Scott E. Wrestling, you can check me out. Um, check out my articles. last word on sports.com/slash pro wrestling, fight game media, daily DDT, voices of wrestling, and inside the ropes. Uh, speaking of fight game media, if you want to hear me talk about Joshi, you can check out my Joshi podcast with Parker, uh, the five-star Joshi podcast to be exact, on the fight game media Patreon. So definitely go check that out. Otherwise, until next time, guys, have a...